Relax, pull up a chair and join us for the Be A Bond Girl podcast, featuring mastermind coach and author of Fempowerment, Unleashing Your Inner Bond Girl, Sandy Shepard. episode, we'll be speaking a bit about some rituals you might consider incorporating into your daily life, especially with spring coming around. We'll speak a bit about the transition from winter to spring and cover a great organizational tactic that was sent in on the listener feedback line. So let's get started. The first thing that I'd like to cover today is listener feedback that I received on my call-in number. That number, in case you don't have it right at hand, is 206-350-3537. And I absolutely love getting listener feedback. This happens to come from the East Coast of the United States, and it's a Bond girl name of Clementine. Clementine mentions, as you will hear in this message, about a great organizational tactic that her mom has been doing for her dad since they first got married. And since Clementine is in her 40s, her mom's been at this for quite some time. So let's listen to that listener feedback, and I'll be right back with you afterwards. Hey, Sandy, uh, one of your listeners here. And listening to your podcast the other day, I was reminded of the most organized person I know, which is my mom. And I thought maybe your many, many listeners might be interested in what I consider to be just a terrific idea. Scrapbooking has become really a big thing these days, but my mom has been making a scrapbook every year since she was married as a present from my dad. And every year, she gets one of those big monthly accordion files. And when she comes home from an event, or she has Christmas cards, or she gets photos, or anything like that, she sticks them all into the relevant month. So that way, she doesn't have piles and piles of boxes and junk um, just messing up her life. And she's got this accordion file, which grows over the course of the year. And then every year between Christmas and New Year, she sets aside that week, sets up a card table with a photo album and a pair of scissors, and she goes ahead and does her scrapbook. And it's very personal. She didn't have to buy any of that stuff that you know, they're trying to sell people in craft stores. It's just all her own things. And it's photos, and it's printed out pictures, and it's bits of emails that people send, and it's cards, and just anything you put in a scrapbook. And instead of promising herself that she's going to clear out all the junk every year, she just has this incredibly organized system, and she sits down and does it. And I said to her before I called you that I was going to say this, and she looked very surprised, and she said, well, I don't think it's particularly, you know, fantastic to do. I said, Mom... Most people just talk about it, and you actually do it. I I don't think she really thought of it as something special, but it certainly is to the rest of us. It's 
especially when we look at those beautiful albums from all of the 45 years of her marriage. It's a record for everybody, and it's something she enjoys. So I think that if you're talking about organization, that might be a kind of an interesting thing for your listeners. Um, anyway, keep up the great work. We all love you. So what Bye-bye. do you think about Clementine's mom's idea? I think it's fantastic. For quite some time in my business, I have used those monthly accordion files. You can get them at any office store for receipts that I take in in my business. The reason why I do this is that if, God forbid, I was ever to be audited, I keep my files in QuickBooks and Quicken, and so they're dated. And if somebody was going to ask me a question about a receipt, I would have the exact date and I'd be able to look it up on that month and find the receipt that they're looking for. A lot of people keep their receipts in type, for example, all their meal receipts together, all their electricity receipts are together. But in my view, if you were to be audited, again, God forbid, but if you were to be audited, they always ask you questions about specific receipts or specific payments. And to me, it's a lot easier to find those payments if I have the receipts in these monthly accordion files. Well, Clementine has given us an idea for using this accordion file in a personal way, and I just love it. I'm sure that all of us have emails that we love that we have messing up our inboxes and little receipts from, say, theater or movie that we've gone to, maybe even little treats or pieces of things we've gotten for our, from our kids over the course of a year. Well, the idea of putting those into the monthly files, even printing out that email that you love and putting that into the monthly file so it's not messing up your inbox anymore, and then making a scrapbook at the very end of the year that details that year is such a wonderful idea. If you're listening to this podcast as I post it, then it's just gone into March. And if you would like to make this part of your year for all the little bits and things that you collect, now's the time to get to that office store and get one of those accordion files. I always purchase the biggest one because by December, the thing is packed. And then just start putting things into it. Even if you just start from March, you can start putting those little mementos, drop them in, just print them out, drop them in, put in the photos that folks send you, anything along those lines that you want to keep and remember what's going on in your life. Perhaps you've just moved into a new home and you might have some pictures with respect to that. And you will be able to then, in December, go get a scrapbook and just get all that stuff into that book and put it up and have it as a memento forever, basically. As you could hear, Clementine loves it. She can look back on her mom and dad's 45 years of being married together, so including some years that she was not around, and... I just think this is such a wonderful, wonderful idea and family history tactic. In fact, even though it is March, you may have some stuff that's already lying around, maybe cluttering up your table or in some piles on your desk, that you could just put into that accordion folder for January and February and just knock them out. I certainly know that the week 
after Christmas and before New Year's is usually kind of a lull week in my family and for work. So that would be the time that I would do the scrapbook and then perhaps present it on the New Year to my James. So if this sounds like a great tactic to you, go for it and leave me a message if you decide that you're going to take up Clementine's mom's scrapbook your life idea. A couple of episodes ago, I don't know if you remember, I certainly do because I was sitting right here in my office and the rain was absolutely pounding down. It was freezing cold and it was definitely winter. Well, at least here in California, spring has sprung. The reason why I'm a bit behind in my podcasting is that my James and I drove down the coast for his birthday last week, and in coming back up, we came up the 405 to the 5. If you know this area, you know that this is just a highway that's pretty boring as opposed to the beautiful coast road, which takes you a few days. You can actually get back up from where we were, which is Newport Beach, to the San Francisco area in a number of hours instead of days if you take the 405 and the 5. And I was amazed at how beautiful it was along the 5. Why was it so beautiful? Because this is the area where we have fruit trees, almond trees, plums, cherries, and they were all abloom. It was unbelievably beautiful. When we got home and I took a walk because I'm back in the exercise mode again. All the trees are blooming. Dogwoods, cherries, just so beautiful. I don't know what it looks like where you happen to be. I do know that one of my best friends is in Colorado, and she said that they'd had a couple of feet of snow just a couple of days ago. She sent me some pictures of her little terrier dogs basically with their ears lying on top of the snow and them underneath the powder because it was so deep. So you may be facing some of this weather, but one way or the other, spring is coming. So let's talk a little bit about that. We discussed winter and the Chinese New Year in a previous episode. And as spring is coming around, now is the time to take stock. I like to think of winter as a time of introspection when you're looking at your life and contemplating where you are now. Of course, if you're a listener that's calling in from Australia or the Southern Hemisphere, winter and spring are a little bit different. I certainly remember when I was in Australia spending Christmas in sweltering heat, but that's another issue. Here, as spring starts, think of a tree. As that tree starts to blossom into spring, well, some of the branches may just not have made it from the winter or just because they're old or need to be cut away. That is what this time of the year to me is like. It's the time of not only just introspection, but really looking at your life as spring starts to unfurl and to see what you need to snip away from the tree of your life 
to really help the parts of that tree that are blossoming into springtime have enough energy and enough vitality to have the strongest and healthiest tree of life that you can. I am reminded about my rose garden and my farm up in Petaluma, as any rosarian knows, right around Super Bowl. You have to do a very drastic cut to all your roses. You cut them back almost to nothing. And the reason for that is so that they can really sprout and blossom into the spring and give you healthy, beautiful flowers. What sort of pruning do you need to be doing? Perhaps what sort of seeds do you have to be laying down? Or what sort of roundup do you need to be spraying as weeds start to grow, as spring starts to come into action in our lives? As spring unfurls, this is the time to be poised and ready. It's time to take stock of what is in your garden, what your tree looks like, and really realize what you need to prune away or what you need to hit with a little weed killer before it just takes over. You need to coax out your best life for 2008 and let's use springtime as an analogy for, for that. The world is your oyster if you truly believe that it is. If you have a strong gut feeling that you will succeed, then you absolutely are going to. But sometimes all these possibilities can be a little distracting. There are so many issues and things that you could do or excel at. So now is the time as things start to bud for you to figure out what you're going to concentrate on for this year and leading your best life. One way perhaps to look at this is what is your highest purpose? What were you put here for? As I mentioned in the book, Kamala Harris, who's our district attorney here in San Francisco, made a point at a recent seminar that I saw her at that if you do not do the thing that you are put here on this earth for, there is something that is your thing to do. If you don't do it, it will never, ever be done because there's only one you and you have a higher purpose and a reason for being here. What does that look like for you? I hope that you're having your little dream flights in the morning or at least sometime during the day as we've talked about in previous episodes and you're exploring what this means for you. For me, I honestly know that I am put here on this world to inspire and galvanize women. I get such a charge out of my coaching clients, out of reading emails and notes on my blog and receiving listener feedback like Clementine's. It just makes my day when I hear from my readers and my listeners. When I was an attorney full-time, I certainly knew and heard often from my clients that I was a great attorney, but I didn't have that thrill when I would be doing my job as that thrill that I feel now. 
I am so juiced by doing my podcast, by the blog, and writing the book, and in hearing from my clients, and helping them reach their next level, and empowering them, that I almost never have a bad day. Honestly, I hate to say it, especially if you're having a bad day. I'm sorry about that, but I love getting up in the morning, and I love doing what I'm doing. So as winter melts down and the snowdrops and crocuses and daffodils start out, see what makes you happy, what makes your heart sing, and gravitate towards that this spring. What else should you be doing in the spring? Well, I'm sure that you know I'm going to tell you that you need to do some spring cleaning, right? Better to do it now than to wait. One of the things I have in the back of my mind is to have one of my wonderful law clients, Musync, M-U-S-Y-N-C.com, put together a tape of some new artists that might be used for cleaning and sorting music. If that sounds interesting to any of you, please Either give me a call at the listener feedback number, which again is 206-350-3537, or drop me an email at doubleosandy at yahoo.com. That's D-O-U-B-L-E-O-H-S-A-N-D-Y at yahoo.com. And perhaps I will put one together as a bonus podcast for all you spring cleaners out there. One of the things that I've noticed about myself now that spring has sprung here in California is that although it's definitely a little nippy out, it's not raining and it's not incredibly cold, so I am getting outside more. This is the time that I think all of us get into our closets and we pull on some clothes that we'd like to wear for the spring and we can't figure out how it is that they all shrunk in the closet over the last season. Isn't that how it goes? Well, that's certainly how it's gone for me. And now I'm getting out, and I am getting out with vengeance. I am taking my own good advice, and I have blocked in times, not only for doing my diary like I have told y'all to do, but also to get to either the gym or just to go for a walk. I'm checking in with a girlfriend of mine who has kindly agreed to let me do that, and we have set up two weeks of times when I give her a call and just tell her, yep, I'm either on my way to the gym or I am out for a walk or whatever I'm up to. It's actually been a lot of fun in that this is a gal that I don't see that much. I like her very much, but I just don't see her all that often. And we both were discussing the fact that our clothes seem to have shrunk in the closet this winter. And we made a pact that we would just be each other's buddies in this exercise thing. This reminds me a bit of the empowerment groups that I facilitate, where Women come together in a group, and I have various curricula for them to do. Usually there's a process that involves looking at your finances or time or stress, so it's a process that is 
tool-based, really sort of hard tool-based. And then there's another bit of curricular homework that I have every month for my clients that is more soft-based. In other words, looking at your life. And then all the women in the groups are responsible not only to me, but also responsible to one another. And they know that they will have to check in. And so they usually do what they said that they would do. This is what I'm doing on a very much smaller scale with my friend with our exercise goals. The best part of having a buddy or being part of a empowerment group is having someone who you can play some ideas off of and find out whether you are being lazy or whether you are being smart in what you've decided to do. Let me give you an example. I just restarted my exercise program after being off for, I am just so embarrassed to say, months and months and months and months. So I started four days ago. On the first and second day, I called my friend and I told her that I was heading off to walk to the gym and then take a class and walk back. But on the third day, I had not only had two hours of advanced pole dancing, but I had also had an hour and a half of very directed yoga practice. So the next day when I gave her a call, I had actually walked my dog for a couple of hours up in the hills. I felt very good about that. I caught up on podcasts and listened to some motivational songs for me as I was walking the dog. But when I got home, I realized that I had told my friend that I would be attending a pretty hardcore workout that evening that involves weights and aerobics. So I called her about an hour and a half before I was going to go to this class. And I I left her voicemail. She wasn't home. And I said, you know, I am really, really sore from the previous workouts that I've done. I promised myself that I would go to this class but I'm not sure whether I'm bailing because I'm home and I'm feeling lazy or I'm bailing because I'm sore, which I really am. Well, she called me back and she made me laugh. She was laughing and we talked about it a little bit. She said, you know, how do you feel? And are you really sore? What's going on? And I said, I just feel like taking a bath. I am so sore. I can't believe it. And I'm a little frustrated that I haven't worked out in so long that I could be so sore if I'm not doing that much exercise. And what she said was very instructive. She said, the problem here is not only are we all getting older, but we imagine we can jump right back in on whatever it is that we're doing at the level that we quit it at. And she said that we need to be serious about moving towards all of our goals, but we also have to be realistic. We've all been in the situation where whether it's exercise or diet or whatever, where we start out gung-ho, we are absolutely never going to eat anything terrible for us again, we're going to work out three times a day, whatever it is. And basically, we've just flown off the deep end. I don't know why, perhaps trying to make up for all those months of being bad. We're trying to push it all into the first week or so. And then, as my friend pointed out, usually we drop it because it's gotten hard and then we're really, really sore. So suffice it to say, I did not go to the class. And about three hours later, I called her back and I told her I was really glad I hadn't gone because I could barely move, which was absolutely true. This was yesterday. This morning, I walked to the gym and I went, did a half an hour abs class. Yeah, I know. Pat me on the back. 
And then I walked back. Jim's probably about an hour, excuse me. The gym is probably about a mile and a half from my house up and over some hills. So that's a pretty good workout. And I'm so grateful that I didn't push myself over the edge yesterday. So that's a sort of thing that we offer in our coaching sessions, the Fempowerment coaching session. You have me, I'm a certified coach, and I can help you set where that limit is. The best part about all this is that I personally have coaches, and then I've also enlisted friends to help me as coaches, like my girlfriend who's helping me with my exercise goals. So see what starts to flower in you as spring springs in your geographic area, and take some action to nurture those buds and flowers and really concentrate and take care of them this year. That's one of the things that seems to be the watchword from Oprah and Eckhart Tolle on down. It's being in the present, paying attention, seeing where you can give back in a passionate and selfish way. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Don't just start volunteering because you think that's the way to do it. In fact, you might want to cut back on that. Instead, figure out where your passion can help yourself and the world. And this is the year to get it going for you. The last thing I want to address in this podcast is the idea of having rituals in your life. One of my favorite rituals is the Jewish ritual of lighting candles on Friday nights. The idea of lighting these candles is that you are asking God into your house and then for the next day, which is the Sabbath in the Jewish religion, you concentrate on basically being happy, doing good things, doing what makes you feel good and spending time nurturing that creative spark of God that's within all of us. After the candles are lit, which is usually done around dinner time, it's done at sunset, you're not allowed to complain, you're not supposed to moan and whine about things. It's time to talk about the stuff that's gone right in your life. It's the time to really be grateful for how your life is going. I absolutely love that ritual. Many busy families don't eat dinner together anymore, or they'll try to do it, and the time that the adults can do it versus when the kids are hungry just makes it a difficult situation. I have had clients in this situation, and There are two ways that I've seen that really seem to work quite well. If you can get your family together at a set time, one of the nicest things to do, regardless of if you are religious or not, is to sit down over that meal, to hold hands, and just quietly thank the food on the table, the animals and plants that have given their lives for this food, the farmers who have brought this food to you on up. You can say it out loud or you can just close your eyes and thank and be grateful for what's sitting on your table for 30 seconds and take that time to be present 
and decompress and actually you're also preparing your body to receive that food. One of my clients who started this ritual and she and her husband were stating that they just never had time to cook and they were constantly bringing in takeout food and often eating it out of the boxes or eating it at television. They initiated this ritual and they found that if they just put the boxes on the table and held hands and were doing the thanking, they didn't feel very respectful of the food and certainly not very respectful of what they were putting in their bodies. Now, how interesting is that? Just by starting the simple act of saying thanks of this gratefulness or grace that was being said or offered up with respect to this food, it changed their relationship to the food. Ultimately, they started cooking. Well, first they actually kept doing takeout, but they put it on plates and they put it on the table and they ate at the table and they lit some candles. And slowly, slowly, they started cooking more because they wanted to feel connected to the food that was putting in, that they were putting into their bodies. What else happened? They started feeling better and she started losing a little bit of weight because she was paying attention to what was going into her body all because of this period of grace. Now, I do know that some families have a grace that they say every single time that they sit down at the table. One of the ones that I remember from childhood is sort of a sing-song that went something like, Blessed are you and these thy gifts that come from thy bounty, blah, 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 blah. And everybody would say that grace, but nobody was paying attention. It was just sort of something that you said. This is actually not the kind of grace that I'm talking about. I am talking about making a ritual of true thanks. And that's why I think that holding hands and having that silent ritual of thanks, thanking each other for being there, and thanking everyone in the food chain that brought that food to you is such a nice thing because it doesn't become a sort of sing-song words that nobody hears. If you are in a situation where one of you was coming home a little bit later and the other one of you was feeding the kids earlier, you can still have this sort of ritual. In fact, it's even a nicer ritual. That's how our family, when I was growing up, had our dinner. My sister and I had our dinner early at five o'clock. And then when my father came home, my mother would meet him and they would have a little time, probably 10 or 15 minutes in the living room. And we knew not to bother them. They were downloading on their days. My mother has been a worker as well most of her life. She owned an art gallery and now she is a publicist. She works in public relations and so the two of them would have that quiet time for them to chat and then my mom would have dinner with my dad but she would have a little bit less dinner than he would have because she would have eaten a little bit with us as well. This was the time that we were responsible for getting our homework done in the other room and again that the ritual was set very clearly for us. It was a time for my mom and my dad to have some time together. I talk about this at length in the book, but I do believe that we all need to have this time when 
especially there are kids in the picture, we are concentrating on the relationship and our children know that this is sacred space just for the adults in their lives. Where can you make rituals in your lives? You can make rituals out of what I would call the silliest of things, things that you're going to have to do every day. For example, you can make a ritual out of brushing your teeth. You're supposed to brush your teeth for a lot longer than most of us do it. And perhaps that's a period of time where you just do a thankfulness inventory on your body. Start with your teeth. Another idea that we've adopted in our household is that my James and I take our shoes off as soon as we come in the house. Interestingly, in one of the You books by Dr. Mehmet Oz and Dr. Michael Roizen, they discuss that taking your shoes off when you come in the house is a great way not to tromp in some of the junk that we walk through during the day that may be toxic to us. You never know what they're putting on the streets or that you might have walked through. So it's a good thing for your health to do this, but it also is a great thing to do to really remind yourself that this is supposed to be your haven. You have taken your work shoes off and you are starting your decompression time. You can even make a ritual out of laying your clothes out for the next day or if it's a little difficult to get out of bed and get your shoes on and get out the door. Put your workout clothes and your shoes right next to the foot of your bed. And after you get up and stretch a little, just put them on. Don't think about it. And get out and do a little bit of walking. If you're in an apartment, walk up and down the hallway. If you are in a house, just walk down the street and come back. This is just to get your blood going to get you juiced up for the day. I've been listening to some very interesting science that has to do with the brain recently. And Dr. Monty on Fitness Rocks suggested that I purchase a book, Spark, which I have coming to me. What the studies state that I've been reading, that all sorts of brain-related diseases that we have in our lives now, such as Alzheimer's and ADD and depression and the like, can be directly affected by exercise. We all know that we have to get out there and exercise. And perhaps we just think of it as a skinny thing. But in fact, what exercise does is really help us release toxins in our system. Think of it from the caveman standpoint. We are made to be out there hunting and gathering and walking around all the time. Our bodies are not changed that much since that time. In fact, there was a study that was done in 2000 that had a group of people that were put on a well-known antidepressant, I think it was Zoloft, and then another group of people that were just made to exercise every day for 30 minutes a day, not a huge amount of exercise. And at the end of a certain number of weeks, they were at about the same level with brain scans that showed where the brain was at with respect to depression because, of course, there's chemicals related to this that you could see in a brain scan. The most amazing thing to me, though, was that when they did the follow-up a number of months later, the people that were doing the exercise were doing 
much better in the brain chemical department and the lack of depression department than the people that had stayed on the antidepressants. This is certainly not telling you to get off your antidepressants if you're on them, but it is telling you to move your booty because it absolutely has a direct reflection on your brain. In fact, there was another study that showed that doing crossword puzzles and all the things that we think of to help us with, God forbid, getting Alzheimer's, in fact, exercise, it turns out, is one of the best things that you can do to keep your brain young. Makes sense to me. Again, we're not much different than our caveman ancestors. And the one thing that we're doing differently is eating junk food, sitting around all day, not walking a lot, not eating things that we just pull out of the ground. So perhaps it's time to make more of a ritual out of getting that movement into your life. And on that note, I think it's about time for me to sign off and to get out and go for a walk myself. I hope that you have a wonderful week. And oh, the other thing that I wanted to add was that I'm very excited. We're going to start an interview series. The people that we've lined up so far are Dr. Monty from fitnessrocks.org. If you're not listening to that podcast, I think you really should. Dr. Monty is fantastic. I call him the Dr. Oz of the internet. He is a doctor or was before he started being basically a reporter on medical issues. And he reads all the medical literature that's out there. And then he explains it like Dr. Oz for me on Oprah in terms that I can understand. He is so great and he has agreed to uh, do an interview for my listeners, which is great. And also Scott Smith from MotivationToMove.com is going to be our guest here. I have been a premium member on MotivationToMove.com for quite some time and I think of Scott as one of my coaches if I'm going to analogize to perhaps another Oprah expert, I would say that Scott Smith is the Bob Green of the internet. He absolutely has a fantastic podcast. If you haven't checked his podcast out with respect to exercise, motivation, nutrition, and living your best life in that respect, he has agreed also to come on to the podcast. And I just can't wait. I think we're going to have a lot of fun together. We are also going to talk with Eve Abbott, who is the organizer extraordinaire, and she will be helping us out with some of our spring cleaning issues and how to organize our life. Those are the ones that we've lined up so far. I'm very excited about it. And if you are listening to this as I tape this podcast, we also are, I'm very excited, going to be opening up some new Fempowerment coaching groups on March 17th. I will be doing a free teleseminar. If you are interested at all in getting the information on that, please give me a call on the listener hotline, 206-350-3537, and leave me your email address. I will send you all the information and the call-in number. Or you can email me at sandy D-O-U-B-L-E, O-H-S-A-N-D-Y at yahoo.com and I look forward to seeing you there. So I guess those are all my updates and oh, I have one more update. Mr. Martini on the behindthebarshow.com and I 
taped a video podcast on the Bond girl and Mr. Martini make a Cosmo. He shows how to make it the bartender way and I show how to make it the Bond girl way. And that should be ready fairly soon. We had an absolutely screamingly great time doing it, but unfortunately wound up with about 50 minutes worth of tape. And so we have to edit that down. And that will be on both of our on both of our websites fairly soon. So that's, I think, the last thing I have to say. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. Bond Girl is neither affiliated with nor endorsed by Eon Productions, Sony Pictures Entertainment, MGM Studios, or United Artists. This podcast is copyright 2008 by 00 Productions. All rights reserved. Fempowerment and Fempower are registered trademarks of 00 Productions. For more information, visit BeABondGirl.com. Our goal? To build a better world, one Bond Girl at a time.